This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. Well, good Tuesday morning, everybody. I am Glenda Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for November 10th. This is episode 1296. This episode is brought to you by the American Endurance Ride Conference. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Let me ride through the wide open country that I love. But don't fence me in. Let me be by myself in the evening breeze. Listen to the murmur of the cottonwood trees. Send me well, good morning, everybody. Thank you for joining us on this endurance day here in November. And Karen. You're getting snowed on. We are finally. Yay. <laughs> finally. It's only, it's not even barely November. Well, I got up at four and there was no snow yet. And so just a few minutes after that, a dog went outside and came back in and it um, was all wet. And I'm like, hey, the storm's here finally. And I uh, <laughs> got up again and, and went out and looked. And all of a sudden, in just a matter of a few minutes, everything was coated white. And it's coming down really good right now. Is this early for you or you usually get snow about this time in November? Yes, it's pretty, you know, just we've been in a drought kind of um, mode for so long that the, when we do get the snow now, we're doing a happy dance because we really need it. We really need it bad. But we, we did get some snow in the last week. The mountains are all covered white right now. Very cool. I well, know. Good for you. You're going to have to get your snowshoes out, um, get the firewood ready. Yes, get the, the boots the muck boots out for the barn yeah. and I got the blankets on the horses because did you see the picture I posted of Bogue completely coated in mud? Yes, I did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's what happens here. Um, the snow, it snows and then it melts and then we have mud and then we have muddy horses. Uh, yeah. That picture of Bo was uh, epic. Maybe Jennifer could post that. It's in the show. It's in the show, bottom of the show notes, but <laughs> it was epic. Uh, yeah, and you know, we, we remember those days now that we live in Florida. We don't have that problem. They just get sand. So there's no mud. So That's, that's nice. Good. Yeah, caked on sand just brushes right off. Mud, not so much. No, no. And Bo's gotten really good at just grinding, grinding it, it in. into everywhere. <laughs> you know, I think he's trying to tell you something. He's trying to go, look, you don't have time to clean me up, so you can't take me out. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what the horses do. They're related to cats that way, I think. Oh, okay. Anything, well, what's, anything what's really, to, go ahead, sorry. Uh, well, I was just saying what's really funny is that normally it's the gray horses that yes. are the biggest pigs. <laughs> yes. In my case, it's the opposite. It's the uh, brown it's horse. It's the bay one yeah. that's the biggest pig. <laughs> yes. It's <laughs> funny. Well, Karen, uh, we're hoping that your internet holds out this morning with the snowstorm. So 
Uh, Me too. Uh, otherwise, I'll be talking about a lot of and things I know nothing about in today's <laughs> show. And Jennifer's going to tell us what those are. On today's Endurance episode with Karen Chatton, brought to you by the AERC, following our usual Adventures with Karen recap, we will get down to the mechanics of better riding with Donna Snyder-Smith. And then rounding out our Tuesday gallop, Dr. Susan Garlinghouse has some advice on social media etiquette and then sets out to bust a few online myths. So stay tuned for the break, folks. Thank you, Jennifer. Well, we have uh, we have to talk because this will be the last time we talk to your audience, the endurance riders, about the Radiothon coming up. Uh, and let me tell everybody, in case you have not heard, we are doing the first ever 12-hour live Radiothon, holiday Radiothon, on November 30th, which is three weeks from yesterday. And that's Cyber Monday, so it's the Monday after Thanksgiving. It's the biggest shopping day online. And we're going to be online with you all day. Uh, we're starting with Horses in the Morning in the Morning, and Dr. Wendy Ying of the Driving Radio Show, who's a lot of fun, is coming up to the studio. So she'll be here in Ocala with me all day. We'll be uh, hosting the, the whole 12 hours with the help of about 20 of our Horse Radio Network hosts, and that includes Karen. So Yay! we are going to do an endurance hour. Now, I actually have to go to the website here. Do you have the website up? Because I have to go there. Um, I do. Okay. Radiothon.horseradionetwork.com. Yeah, and they can just go to horseradionetwork.com. There's a big banner in the middle of the page. It'll take them there. And there's a schedule, and it looks like uh, endurance hour is going to be 3 p.m. Eastern time to 4 p.m. Eastern time. So what we would like during that endurance hour with uh, Karen is we'd like uh, to hear from as many endurance riders as possible during the hour. There's a bit of a competition now going on between the hosts. <laughs> who's going to okay. get who's going to get the most callers, and who is going to get the most people to submit some clever sound files ahead of time? And we're going to talk about that. But uh, so if you go to horseradionetwork.com and just click on the banner in the middle of the page, you'll see it has all the details about the radiothon. This is just for fun, and the the theme of the day is your favorite holiday memories. So we want you to call in and talk about your favorite holiday memories with us. You know, whether it involved horses or you know, it's just going out to the barn on Christmas morning, or if you want to call in and wish uh, wish your barn mates a, a merry Christmas, or you know, just whatever holiday message. It's a big party all day long, and we're de- we're dedicating a whole hour of it to endurance. So. Uh, Karen, hopefully you can muster the troops to, to call fun. in. Now, we want, we want your, your listeners, uh, the endurance riders, are a clever bunch. <laughs> and they have a lot of time to think when they're out there riding. So we have, a, we have a way that they can actually submit a voicemail or a sound file to us ahead of time. And we are going to play those all day during the show. And we've asked for this before on Horses in the Morning, and our listeners are very, very clever. Now we're going to see how clever the endurance listeners are. But basically what they have done is sang Christmas songs. They've done a recording of themselves singing or their kids singing. <laughs> They've written poems, either a poem about endurance riding, or maybe you put something to the 12 Days of Christmas. Um, you know, you can, on the voicemail, if you can't call in live that day, you can just wish your barn mates or your family or your ponies a Merry Christmas. Uh, you can play your favorite holiday tune on an instrument. Uh, maybe you play the piano or something. And, uh, 
you know, that's what we're looking for is just clever, entertaining sound files that we can play. And the cool part is for everybody that submits a sound file ahead of time or calls in live that day is going to be eligible to win the prizes. We have over $3,000 worth of prizes we're giving away that day. Uh, yeah, I mean a lot. I mean, we're talking a ton of prizes. We have a big prize at the end of the day from Benefab Products and Soar No More, perfect for endurance riders, both of those. They're giving away a $500 grand prize of a whole bunch of stuff. So, I mean, we are going to be giving away prizes every hour. We'll have prizes during the endurance hour. So we really want you to be involved. And only people who send in a voicemail or sound file ahead of time or call us live are going to be eligible. All right. <laughs> so we need to muster the AERC clan and uh, get them out. Make sure that uh, they're involved in uh, posting everywhere. You need to make sure that okay. you post on your blog and get everybody involved. Okay. Go ahead. I will. Great. And Karen's going to set up a couple of big guests. We're going to do a couple of big guests every hour. Jennifer's been working on it. We have a secret that we can't tell anybody. But let's just say there's some big name guests being booked all day by the different hosts. Cool. And they're going to call in and just tell us about their favorite holiday memories, too. Fun. Uh, so it's just, it's just Christmas holidays party all day long. Okay. We give you permission. It starts at 9 a.m. and ends at 9 p.m. We give everybody permission to drink eggnog from 9 a.m. <laughs> so, including you, Karen, you're allowed. Okay. To, you're allowed to start drinking early that day, uh, and it it just should be a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to it. The call in numbers are there on the website. Everything is there. Just uh, head over to horseradionetwork.com and click on the banner and get your submissions in right now. Start getting those done and in because uh, we need to put them together. Uh, and then we got thanks giving coming up too so there it is it should be fun fun yeah we're looking forward to having you I'm looking forward to doing it i think it's gonna be a lot of fun good very good well then good. uh let's talk about endurance okay well this last month i did a couple of different 50s the most recent one was the high desert 50 which is at scouts camp at fort churchill nevada and I took the 10-year-old junior on her first 50. She rode my horse, Bo, and um, we got rained on again. But this time I managed to not lose my cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> good, and, good for you. And uh, she did fantastic. She did great. And uh, Bo just did wonderful with her. And we had a really good day that day. And, and then... Out of the blue, unexpectedly, um, I had taken her riding the next weekend after that, and we did some arena practice up at the fairgrounds trying to get the horses um, ready for their Equifest performance down at the Rose Parade, and I got home and got a phone call asking if we'd like to ride in the Nevada Day Parade with uh, Susan McCartney, who's an endurance ride vet, has a group that dresses up in uh, Native Arabian costumes, and she had a couple of costumes we could use and joined their group. There were 16 of us. And we did the Nevada Day Parade, which is a huge parade. Nevada Day is the day Nevada was accepted into the Union. And so it's a state holiday. And the parade is in Carson City, which is the capital. And there's literally thousands and thousands of spectators. So it was another really great experience for my horses. And how to, they do. To get to go. They did really well. Um, Bo actually got a little more excited, which was surprising. 
Um, but he ended up just settling in and he was fine. And all the horses did really well. They handled the musket fire and all the crowds and all the stuff going on and the, the, um, the noise really, really well. So it was a great experience for them with the Rose Parade coming up. And they looked really did, did, cool did, in their did, costumes. Did you have a costume or did you have I to borrow did. one? I did. We borrowed one. Yeah. And they're beautiful. They're just, they're really beautiful. Really, really, um, you know, neat looking. The sparkly dresses the and the whole thing. They're all sparkly, yeah. yes. And a lot of bling on them. And, and the horses did well. And of course... They completely cover your saddle, and and so we were using all of her tack and and her head stalls and everything, and uh, but the horses all did really well. It was a kind of a cool thing, and at last minute because I mean literally we didn't know till like three o'clock in the afternoon the day before, <laughs> so we got busy getting those horses cleaned up. <laughs> That's funny. Well, good. I'm glad that you're getting practice, and you have some more practice coming up too, right? We do. Tomorrow, yeah. we're supposed to do the Veterans Day parade in Virginia City, and um, hopefully, the snow stops <laughs> and melts off and clears, so we can get up there safely. I wouldn't and, want and to drive your day. trailer and rig through the mountains in the snow. I've done it a few times, but no, I don't enjoy it. It gives you white knuckles. Yeah, I'd say. <laughs> I mean, it's white knuckles driving your roads without snow. <laughs> I know, I know. And then I've got to deal with the horses, um, keeping them clean. You know, right. you don't realize how much work it is to do a prey. And an endurance ride, it, you know, the horse doesn't have to be totally clean. It can just be, you know, endurance ride clean, meaning where the tack goes. <laughs> but, you know, for parades, you want their tails clean and brushed out and, and that sort of thing and to look good. So so we'll have our work cut out for us later today to get them all cleaned up and spiffy for tomorrow morning. Now is that a uh, is that a dress up parade also? I'm um, kind of we those of us that are going to be going down to the Rose Parade, we're going to try to, you know, wear our all of our tack and gear that we'll be using in the Rose Parade. Well, that fits for Veterans well, Day anyway, your colors. It does. Yeah. It does. It's cuz it's red, white and blue. Fits perfect. Right. And we have a fun, the fundraiser is still coming up on December 12th from 5 to 9 p.m. in Riverside, California. And um, you can go to Facebook and look up AERC Rose Parade Fundraiser to find more information on it. They're selling tickets for $20, and that includes dinner. They're going to have special guests, a silent auction, and a lot of really neat stuff that um, people can bid on or buy. And it will go to help support um, and offset some of the costs that we're incurring to get down there and ride in the Rose Parade. I don't for think people have any minutes. idea how expensive this is. Uh, you know, we're talking California at Christmas and, you know, New Year's, and it's just uh -huh. like everything is expensive. It is. You know, we have to pay to. To stall the horses. And yeah, for because RV you're not there just for spots. one night for the one-day parade. They have an event ahead of time you have to be there for. So you're there for almost a week, right? We, we are because the Equifest is on December 29th at the Equidome. However, we have to practice on the 28th, which means we need to probably get there on the 27th. Um, so, yeah, you're looking at a whole week of, of staying there to, you know, to be paying for stalls and RV spots and just to to be there for that whole time, plus the the cost of 
gas. It's, you know, 500 miles away, one way for me. And all those costs just add up yeah, along do. with all of our um, tack and gear and and the things we've had to buy specifically for doing this parade. But it's going to be a pretty cool experience. It's still um, yeah, sinking in. this is a once-in-a-lifetimer. It is. It's going to be the only time in your life that 60 million people are looking at you. <laughs> so. <laughs> that's the only time. <laughs> I know, I know. Unless you've done something heinous, and then, you know, and you're in the news. But other than that... Yeah, we'll try not to do yeah, that. Yeah, try not to get yeah. there that way. Let's just stick with the parade. <laughs> exactly. Now, Potato's in the uh, news again. He is. He has i got to tell book. you, before we get to Potato... Okay. Uh, we were on our trip out to Sedona, and we did the Segway tour in Sedona, Arizona. And the guy who runs its name is Pancake. I mean, it's on his <laughs> business cards and everything. It's Pancake. So when I met Pancake, we had to tell him about Potato. And I, I thought for, for a minute it was one of Potato's brothers. Because it kind of looked like him, too, actually. Um, so I thought it was one of Potato's brothers, but it was not. He does not know Potato, and he was quite surprised that somebody else had a name like, you know, the food like his. So, oh, okay. Yeah, so, okay. but I met Pancake. Now I've met a Pancake and a Potato. Okay. Yeah. So now I, I got rutabaga <laughs> and, like, squash and things like that to go yet, but we're getting there. There's still time. Yeah, there's still time. <laughs> so tell us what's Potato, of course, was the winner of this year of the... Of the uh, the Tevis. Tevis, and he's 70, what, three years old? Was like He's won it, like, many times, and we had him on the show, and he's quite a character, but that's Potato right. Richardson. It, it, yeah, and his book is called Ride Like Potato, Learn to Enjoy Trail Riding More Than Ever from the winner of the 2015 Tevis Cup Race. That's and a right, long name. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a name. And right now it's available on Kindle, so you need to go to Amazon.com and uh, pick it up. I know he's planning on having it made into a print version, too, but for now, um, if anybody would like Ride to read like potato. About, about writing like potato, I love the to, cover to go to go check out his book. <laughs> Ride like potato. That's a great title. Have you read it yet? Have you gotten? I haven't yet. I did go look at Amazon, and and there's some good reviews on it so far. People seem to to be enjoying the book, so I think it might be worth checking out. There you go. <laughs> I like good. to read all the books about endurance. Yeah, there you go. There's a Christmas present for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And we have a couple of memorials to mention. Oh, that's not good. Okay. That we people we've lost in the last month. The first is Dr. Les Carr. Um, he has ridden, um, gosh, I think around 36,000 miles. He's one of the highest mileage riders and uh, has the horse named Tulip, who is the highest mileage horse with about 22,000 miles. And Les just recently passed away. Um, I've spent a lot of time writing with him over the years. His um, wife asked for us to, um, if anybody would like to make a donation in Les's name, to send it to the AERC, and it will go to a fund to help junior riders. And then the other person we lost is Sue Hedgecock. Uh, she was a guest on Endurance Day a couple of years ago yeah, yeah. after she won the Hagen Cup. Yeah. And she had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, which she had been battling for quite some time. Well, that's sad. So, yes. Well, our we'll best miss, to the families of both. We'll miss them both. Yes. 
Well, next up, we have your endurance tip, which <laughs> conveniently is about winter horse cleaning. It is. And this is where I, Jennifer gets to help me out here because we were talking the other day. Because we was, didn't always live in Florida. I just want to say that. You, yeah. That's right. <laughs> and I was kind of bemoaning how much work it, it is to keep these horses clean. And especially now that we're, we've been doing a couple of these parades for practice. And this time of year, it gets really difficult when it gets muddy. And then as soon as your horse is cleaned, they go right back out and roll in it again. So, Jennifer, let's let's talk about some of those things we discussed about ways to clean the horses when it's too cold to give them a bath. You know, a lot of us don't have the luxury of an indoor barn with heated water and that sort of thing. So, um, so we're just basically stuck doing it the old-fashioned way with a lot of elbow grease. Right. And it seems that no matter how long you brush the horse, as soon as you pat him on the top of his butt, a giant cloud of dust rolls up and there's a handprint and yes. <laughs> you know, that right there marks your horses dirty. Nobody appreciates how, how many hours you groomed to get them that clean, you know? Uh-huh. So, uh, a trick, yeah, a trick that, uh, we developed that when I lived up in Massachusetts to get horses clean in a big hurry, or at least the appearance of clean <laughs> is to go crazy with the curry comb first and foremost. Uh, choose your tool, whether you like the glove kind or the inexpensive service curries with the little plastic teeth or the traditional round rubbery ones, whatever turns you on. And curry like gangbusters to get all the crud off so that all you're left with is a fluffy dust ball. <laughs> and then you can either go um, <clears throat> DIY or you can go with a commercially created product. A lot of people call them waterless shampoos. But generally speaking, the labeling calls it a spot remover. Um, Miracle Groom is a product brand that I've used many, many times and, and love to death. But Vetrolin makes one. Cowboy Magic makes one. There's probably others. Um, I have a recipe for my own. But essentially what you do is you put the waterless shampoo product onto your grooming towel. Get yourself a big stack of towels from uh, your guest bathroom because your guests are never used them anyway. <laughs> nobody comes to visit horse people and you dampen it. And I mean, just barely damp and you scrub that horse as if you were using a curry comb. And what that does is takes the topmost layer of dust off the, the layer that creates the big cloud and the handprint. Mm -hmm. And it really makes the horse look a whole lot better in a great big hurry. Um, if you are using the DIY product, the recipe that I use, and this is also on Horse Tip Daily, I'll try to post a link to that on the Horses in the Morning Facebook page. I use a, a uh, mixture of a small amount of baby oil or Skin So Soft, if you like the perfumey stuff, like a couple of tablespoons, plus a capful or so of either generic shampoo or generic dish liquid. And then add water to make a quart-sized uh, spray bottle full if you want to spray it on your towels. Or if you want to use a bucket, as, as if you've got a whole bunch of horses particularly, you can do this in a bucket of water. Just uh, adjust the amounts of liquid accordingly and fill up your bucket. And then put enough towels in so that the towels have absorbed all the water in the bucket. And then take the towel mm -hmm. out, wring that sucker out to your blue in the face. 
scrub the horse till the dirt towel is dirty on both sides, toss it aside and get the next towel out. And for a, a dusty, dirty horse, a couple of, couple of bath towels will do the trick and you'll have a beautiful horse in no time flat. Well, I will be doing this later today. <laughs> <laughs> and it's also a handy way to get tails clean if you don't have the access to lots of good water. Even if you've got freezing temperatures, get yourself some water. And I, I like to add, again, baby oil to it. And get the tail as wet as you can. And then take your towel and kind of scrub it dry with a towel. So you're, so you're rolling the hair in the towel. And that will break up the bits of dirt and stuff. And that does an amazing job on tails. That's great. We will be definitely uh, using some of these tips. So thanks, Jennifer. You're welcome. Very good. Well, while Jennifer is uh, getting our next guest on the line, uh, did you have any other news or anything else going on? I guess your season's winding down to uh, pretty much parades at this point. For some of us, yes. In other parts of the country, like where you are, it's beginning um, writing time. Um, for those of us up in the north or, or whatever, we're kind of... Um, going to be grounded for a little while but the right season starts on december 1st with aerc so now is the time to renew your dues and um december 1st is also the year the time of year normally where if there's any new rules they go into effect and i was going to report on those however the office told me that there are no new rules going into effect Wow, is that a this first? Time. It's the first time in years that we said. <laughs> so so that's probably good. That probably means that um, you know, we don't really need to have new rules. A lot of times they make new rules, you know, because, because they're circumventing yeah. a problem, you know. So the fact that there aren't any hopefully means that, you know, we've we've got a good set of rules going and don't need any more right now. I, you know, and sometimes they just make new rules for the sake of making new rules. Uh, <laughs> You know, right. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. Cool. Well, very good. Well, let's, uh, and dues are due right now for next year or is. Yes, for 2016, because okay. the new season starts on December 1st. Oh, I gotcha. Okay. And so any rides that you do after December 1st are going to count for 2016. Got it. Well, now it is time to bring on our regular guest here, and this is Kristen from Distance Depot with her product of the month. Good morning, Kristen. How are you? I'm great, Karen. How are you? Good. Well, thanks for joining us this morning. I'm happy to be here. Well, one of the things we were gonna we we're gonna talk about is your um, armbands and types of ways to carry cell phones. So tell us a little bit about those items that you have. Okay, we have quite a few um, of these armbands. This company, Fitletic, um, that we use for these products um, has quite a variety of of armbands and waistbands. Um, And they're made for runners, so they fit comfortably. You know, they're for athletes, so... Where we use them, you know, sort of depends on our preference. Even though it's called an armband, a lot of these riders actually use the um, armbands on their calf. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it makes their, you know, because some people don't like it on their arm. It's just a matter of preference. But um, we have 
the original armband that fits some of the regular-sized phones. And, of course, since the cell phones have become larger and larger over the years, we now have two new sizes, um, the Forte and the Surge. Both of those um, hold the larger phones, and the Forte holds the iPhone 6 Plus. So it's the largest carrier. <clears throat> and so many of the riders are using these um, armbands that uh, they had to come up with that. Right. Yeah, the phones are bigger these days, that's for sure. <laughs> that's right. And actually, we have, we're very excited. We have a, a new armband that's going to be coming um, to us early next week, and it is called the Hydrolock. So it's going to be completely waterproof. A lot of the riders have been asking about that. So it's the first armband um, that's completely waterproof, made with all waterproof fabrics. And you can still use the smart window so you can get to your phone really easily with this cover as well. So we're very excited about it. Great. Well, I definitely have learned the importance of having a safe, secure way to carry your phone when you ride. <laughs> no <laughs> yes, more lost cell phones. You found your phone. I did. Three weeks yeah. later, we went back and found <laughs> it, and it still worked. I mean, the battery was dead, but um, it, it did still work, so that was great. So, But yes, it's very important to have a good, safe way to carry your cell phone. So these are awesome items and also great gift ideas. They and, are. They really are. And then tell us about your bucket covers. Well, the bucket covers... Um, they're a great item. People often ask, you know, what do you do with these? And you can do so many things with them. Um, I think they're great if you're using beet pulp um, or if you keep your horse at a barn where you have to set his food out or, or you have to set your own horse's food out and you don't want, of course, flies or, or any other critters or dogs getting uh -huh. in and, and eating the feed. Um, with the supplements in it and stuff, so you can keep animals out. I've also, um, I think they're handy in the vet crew area because, um, you know, oftentimes people are walking and you're trying to do this or that and your horse's head goes down and into someone's bucket. So uh -huh. <laughs> it keeps, you know, keeps all your stuff handy and, and um, keeps flies and all that stuff. So we have different styles. There are mesh covers to let the air through. Mm -hmm. There's a really beautiful Arabian designed one with beautiful colors on it. just makes it very pretty. Um, but they're very functional. Um, I think one of the really nice bucket covers is called a water and hole. Mm -hmm. So it's a slosh proof cover that goes and you can use it in the trailer and it keeps the water from sloshing out and you can actually leave the bucket in the trailer with your horse. So very cool item also makes a great very gift. practical yes definitely yeah. yeah definitely well if some and you also have the ones that screw on right oh, the, ga yes. the gamma are, seal ones yeah the gamma seal lids those are great um you know keeps the water from sloshing all over um so whether you're just carrying it from you know here to there or um for storage in the trailer it also keeps feed and and, um, you know, you can basically cover anything with them. But, yeah, it just screws on. Um, the out, outer rim pops onto the bucket, and then the um, lid itself screws into that. So it's very easy. can be used on almost any, you know, five-gallon-type bucket. Okay. And if somebody was They're interested very... in, in, in ordering any of these items, how would they 
get in touch with you? Um, they can call us toll-free, 866-863-2349, or visit us at thedistancedepot.com. Well, thank you, Kristen. Thanks, Thanks Kristen. Kristen. Bye, Glenn. <laughs> we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, I think Distance Depot is putting something together for us for the Radiothon, so we'll find oh, good. out more about that coming up, too. Good. Well, they have a lot of great products. Yes, they do. It's a, it's a, a great of... place to shop, and, you know, Christmas is coming. That's right. A lot of good gift ideas out there. And endurance riders are like other horse people. They don't want anything else for Christmas but horsey stuff. (laughs) I learned that early on in my relationship with Jennifer. I tried to buy her other stuff and it didn't matter. It it just was not worth it. Yeah, don't. It's an uphill battle. Just give in. Just just give in. And, you (laughs) know, you try and buy her pretty things and, you know, jewelry and stuff. Like, well, she never wore it and didn't really care about that. She would have rather had a new pair of riding breeches. So I learned the hard way. Okay. And I think every guy does. They every guy has to go through that period of time. It's like the first two years when you learn that. They do. They do. Well, are we ready for our first guest this morning? Yes, I think we are. Now, uh, this is somebody that uh, you actually had to record in advance. So right. we have the recording here for us. Tell us about it. Because she's doing a, a, a clinic today, so she wasn't available. So we caught up with her on Friday, and it's Donna Snyder-Smith. She has been um, lecturing and teaching writing and writer biomechanics for decades now. Um, And one of the the quotes from her page, which I really liked, was, if you want to rise to the top, you must be willing to shoulder the responsibility of educating yourself. Okay. Very good. Well, here we go. Good morning, Donna. Welcome to the show. How are you doing today? Good morning, Karen. I'm doing just fine. I'm sitting out here in Oregon about a stone's throw from the ocean, and it's a gorgeous day. Oh, awesome. Well, let's start. um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and your history. Oh, boy. That covers a lot of ground. Uh, It started in uh, Germany. Um, Actually, it started when I was about six years old, ran around uh, in a school, you know, playground with another gal playing horse, but <laughs> in, in reality, it started in Germany when I was around 15. I studied for three years there in, in what's being referred to today as classical dressage, um, came to California when I was around 20, experienced some uh, jumping or got involved in some jumping, uh, eventing. Uh, got back into my dressage, got involved in uh, instructing riding, took several courses. Oh, gosh. AHSA judge. I just have to think about all the things that I've done for crying out loud. <laughs> um, went to the East Coast, took a position as a director for a riding instructors program, was there for seven years continued my interest in general riding. When I was in California early on, um, I became fascinated with the Western divisions and the Western way of riding because my previous experience had all been English. Um, and so I, you know, investigated that, played with it a little bit myself and 
read an article on something called the Tevis Cup, which was a personal, I saw it as a personal horsemanship challenge because it involved taking a horse, conditioning them up, and then uh, riding them 100 miles over the Sierra Nevada mountains in one single day. Mm-hmm. And it obsessed me after I read the article, which was in the Western Horseman. I it does that. With the, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it certainly does, yes. Um, and I, so I fell under its spell and um, to the point where kind of typical of my personality, you know, if I have a question and that that's really a burning question for me, I, go, I have a tendency to put everything on the back burner and go find out the answer. Mm-hmm. So that's what I did. And I did it with a jumper meaning it was the horse I was working with at the time. He was half quarter, half thoroughbred, so that's what I had. He was physically fit and capable. I spent a year getting him ready, and I went and rode the Tevis. We finished 18th, which I was very happy Great. about. Wow. Yeah, so so that's um, that was my first introduction into endurance. I didn't get back to it until uh, many, many years later because I was involved in you know the show world of horses. Um, I got involved, I got back involved in it again actively in the early 90s, did some more rides myself and have since then coached lots and lots of uh, riders across the nation, um, all the way from what we call the LD, the limited distance divisions, entry level divisions, all the way up to international clients uh, Mm -hmm. such as Valerie Canavy and uh, Naomi Tyler and a few others here and there. and been fairly successful at it. So now I'm retired from on-site teaching, but I still coach and I still do uh, personal um, consults, stuff like that. And tell us about the a couple of your books that you've written too. Oh uh, well, um, the first one I wrote was the endurance book, uh, the endurance uh, complete guide to endurance riding and competition, mm-hmm. and. Um, I really enjoyed doing the book, except I, my editor and I got into a kind of a disagreement because she wanted me to set down specifics in a formula <laughs> for conditioning horses. And in That's a conversation one day, I said, yeah, well, not only is it hard to do, but I'm against that because uh-huh. in my experience, what I've found is, is that people will take it and apply it directly. Right. And if they don't have the background to make the decisions, you know, that the background that governs the dis- decisions relative exactly. to that particular application of time, distance, you know, speed, whatever, they're going to hurt their horse. And right. so I simply, yeah, I simply refused to do it. And, uh, and I told her why, and after I told her why, she understood. But I, but I would never give mm-hmm. a concrete statement like that in a book which was going to be published without any supporting help um, because I know it can get in, get people in trouble. Right. I, I believe that was one of the first books I think I ever got when I started endurance writing. Oh, good. I hope it helped. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it did. I know it, it well, is it's hard t- to, to give that kind of advice. You're absolutely spot on with that. Right. My other two books, uh, the next book was uh, The All-Around Horse and Rider, which I probably is my favorite book and which hasn't gotten nearly the exposure I would like it to. But um, um, but anyway, it's, it's sort of a guide to the industry and offers, I think, the most um, valuable part of the book is the um, quizzes that it offers 
their evalu- evaluation quizzes. So in the book, there's about five or six different topics, things like um, trainers, instructors, um, veterinarians, uh, farriers, uh, stables. And under each heading, there is a quiz. And it's a very simple yes or no quiz, answer, meaning yes or no. And at the end of the quiz, you add up all your answers, all your yes answers, and there's a, a numerical evaluation score that you get. And then the score is interpreted. So if you're above such and such, it's a good stable to be at, or okay. you can count on that vet, or yes, there's a good chance that your horse will be safe in the hands of that trainer. And if you're in the middle, it's here's the possibilities that might happen. And if you're below a certain numerical score, it's like, don't go there. Mm-hmm. So that that alone, I feel, is is an incredible investment for anybody, especially anybody getting into the industry, um, right. you know, that I, wants to I save looked- themselves. I looked that book up on Amazon, and it does have excellent reviews. Oh, so if thank any, you. anybody's listening, um, go check it out. <laughs> go check it out on Amazon. Is Amazon where you prefer people to go to purchase it if they're yeah, looking that's, online? Yes, okay. it's right. I mean, I, I have people calling me, and I'm I these days I'm low on any kind of inventory, and I'm happy to – if you buy a book and you want a signature – Usually you'd run into me at one of the, um, you know, equine events in the past, okay. but nowadays, since I don't do that so much, you know, send it to me, I'll sign it and send it back to you for, you know, just because, but, uh, but you can buy them cheaper through Amazon, even, even way back when you could buy them cheaper through Amazon than, than I could sell them to you. So I always send people there. <laughs> okay. Well, I have a question from a listener. It's a two part question. Um, they mm-hmm. want to know if you can describe three exercises to work on off of the horse to improve rider fitness and balance. And the second part of the question is, are there three exercises that somebody can use to work while on the horse to improve rider fitness and balance? Okay. Um, <laughs> yes, I can. Let me start by by giving a little preface here. Um, there's all sorts of books out there with with exercises, and Lord knows there's any number of gym programs. What, mm-hmm. as a rider, you are most concerned with uh, is your core strength. Now, that's not something you hear a lot of, you know, talk about, which is so it's why I mention it. So the ability of the muscles on the inside rather than the ones that look like you're pumping iron or, you know, a sprinter, um, to hold and sustain the alignment of all of your organs and your spine and all of that in your skull, in your torso. Um, mm-hmm. So that being said, uh, Pilates is a very good choice of exercise programs for improving the core. And um, Hatha yoga, there's different types of yoga, so Hatha yoga is also a good supplemental place to go to look for exercises which will help stretching and flexibility. And as a rider, that's something that's extremely important to you. You want to be very flexible, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but before all of that, the biggest barrier to good riding that I, that I see have for 25 years is the fact that most of us have so much tension in our lower backs, um, uh, second place is necks and shoulders, but in the lower back that it becomes tight and that in tightening um, it 
moves out of its natural alignment so that the pelvis is not um, vertical relative to the flat surface below your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the first thing that should be addressed. And you can do that in front of a mirror, prefer a full-length mirror, but you can do that in front of a full-length mirror in your own bedroom. And if you stand yourself up uh, sideways and look over your shoulder into that mirror, preferably in minimal amount of clothes, um, because, you know, because you don't want to hide the body, you want to be able to see the body. Mm-hmm. And then don't be self-judgmental, obviously. <laughs> okay, you're using it as a means to an end. Um, what you want to see is a fairly flat back. So between your lower back and your buttocks, you do not want to see an arch or a hollow. All right? Now, 95% of the people, when they stand up in front of the mirror, are going to find that. That's the first thing to address before you go anywhere else, because if you add on top of that, you're going, you're number one, you're going to have a missing um, piece that can't be uh, overridden by anything else. In other words, you'll compensate for it. Uh, And two, it'll cost you in effort. The easiest way to get over it is to do what's called the Alexander that's Alexander Technique uh, from Centered Riding, lie down, and all you're doing is laying on a comfortable rug or a hardwood floor. I mean, I don't care. I'm for comfortable rugs, but whoever, you know, I mean, whatever (laughs) listeners want to do. Lay down on a comfortable rug, put your knees bent, keep your knees bent, and um, just breathe for 10 or 15 minutes. Seriously, I know that sounds ridiculous, but what is happening is that gravity is working on releasing the muscles of your low back, all right, and letting your low back flatten out. Now, if, you're, if you have, if it's been a long time in, in patterning and it's extreme, you will probably have to put something underneath the skull to release the tension in the neck. So, oh, two, two paperback books or two books about an inch or so uh, wide in their spine, and tuck them underneath your neck, not underneath your shoulders, just underneath your skull. And as your head comes up, you'll notice that that'll help your low back relax. Then as the tension comes out of your low back, this is over a period of maybe two, three weeks, done once a day, okay. um, you're, you will notice that you will suddenly begin to feel when the book go underneath your skull, you'll suddenly feel like your chest, your chin is being pushed into your chest. That's when you can start taking the books away. And eventually, you will be able to let your skull on the same level as your back, and it'll all feel comfortable. Okay. Um, okay, the other one was on horses, right? Yes. Um, all right, one of, let's see, a couple of things. Actually, yeah, okay. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the ones that stand out in my mind as far okay. as causing the most problems. All right, the one, one of the ones is stiff ankles and or toe-down position. So, easy exercise when you get on your horse. Um, first off, a stirrup should be adjusted so that when your feet are out of the stirrups, the bottom of the stirrup lines up with your ankle bone. Not the bottom of your foot, but okay. your ankle bone, which is approximately, what, an inch or not quite an inch above the bottom of your foot. Okay. So, stirrup should be there. When you put your foot in the stirrup, all right, you're going to grab a piece of mane or whatever, and you're going to stand up in your stirrups above your 
saddle pommel, and then you're going to uh, push up on your toes, um, just as though against the stirrups. So you, you, you need to get balanced. You need to have your legs underneath you. Your stirrups will fly out in front of you, and you'll fall on your butt. So grab a piece of mane so you don't shock your horse by doing that. Okay. Um, but uh, stand up and stand on your tippy toes. Hold yourself up there for about the count of 10, um, and then let yourself drop. In other words, release the ankle, wiggle your toes and release the ankle and let your heels drop towards the ground without sitting down in the saddle. And what you'll find is, is that you're, when you let go of the tension in your calves and legs, all right, your heel will drop down and your ankle will flex. All right. So do that about three times. Every time you get in the saddle, it'll help. Okay. Um, the ankle being down or tight, not, not the ankle being down, the toe being down, tightens the ankle. And if you take away your ankle, your ankle is one of your major shock absorbers, especially in endurance because endurance um, folks don't do a lot of sitting trot. You know, I mean, they're posting their trot, so, you mm-hmm. know, they have a tendency to use their stirrups more than, say, a dressage rider might. Um, so if you if you were looking at disciplines, you would like a foot ankle, all right, that sort of emulates the hunter-jumper crowd. So heel below the toe. doesn't have to be way down below the toe. only has to be a little bit below the toe. But it does have to have no tension in the ankle so that that joint can absorb the shock coming up from the horse. All right, so that's one exercise. Okay. Um, Another one is tightness in the pelvis. So now the the problem with this as an endurance rider is is that that in order to do this exercise, we have to have a horse that's cooperating. So you might have to go out and ride 10 miles first, which, (laughs) I mean, I'd rather rather not have you do. Ideally, what you would get on is, is your horse would stand there in a nice, relaxed manner. You get on, you take your feet out of your stirrups, and you do what's called the scissors exercise. And the biggest thing on this is to do it slowly, S-L-O-W-L-Y, slowly. Okay. All right? If you do it fast, it, you don't get nearly as good a results. The exercise is simple. One leg is drawn forward towards the horse's shoulder without flexing the knee. The other leg is drawn backward at the same time towards the horse's tail, okay. again, without flexing the knee. So the goal of the movement of your legs is to stretch the groin area and loosen the ball and the socket joint. And then as you, as you get them out in that, in that um, configuration, then you move them and change. So if your right leg goes forward and your left leg goes back, then you slowly move your left leg forward and your right leg back. The thing to watch yourself or have somebody watch when they are watching you when you first are doing it to make sure you're doing it correctly because exercise only helps if you do it correctly. If you do it wrong, Mm -hmm. you're just building wrong muscles, okay, is that you're not bending your knee, all right? And depending on who you are, what your size is, what type of a horse you're sitting on, meaning width of the barrel, et cetera, it might be very difficult for, say, a small woman sitting on a very wide-barreled Arab to mm-hmm. move her thigh bone in this exercise more than one and a half to two inches, either forward or backward. Okay. All right. So it's not the amount of distance you move. 
it's how you move and that you are moving the leg from the hip joint and not just swinging the lower leg at the knee. Okay. All right? Okay, so that one's called the scissor. So you move it back and forth, um, oh, I don't know, half a dozen, eight, ten times, you know, something okay. like that. And, you, and, and if you're, you know, if you're taking a break in the middle of a ride, drop your feet out of your stirrups, do the same thing. Okay, so how often you do this, never, it's, it's like your horses, never overdo it. Um, we have a tendency, uh, endurance riders have a tendency to think that they're super people. So, um, but like the horses, if you overdo it, the next day you're going to be stiff. Okay. So you'll lose ground. You won't gain ground, right? Um, so never overdo it, but frequency is your friend. Okay. Last exercise mounted is for suppling the um, torso. And again, uh, <laughs> there's the thing about an endurance horse versus just a pleasure <laughs> horse. We, we want them to stand quietly. You might have a friend hold the bridle, or you might borrow your friend's horse to do practice on a little bit. But all you're going to do is, is with your feet out of the stirrups, you're going to reach across with your right hand and slide it down as far as you can go. Aim for the kneecap, but if you can go below your kneecap, so much the better. In order to do that well, you will have to both fold the hip joint, and allow the waist to twist, right? Both of those actions must happen to do this well, okay. all right? And what you're working on is the ability to turn your upper body uh, at your waist. And, of course, again, the flexibility of the hip joint, which is uh, very critical. So, you know, you go over to the right hand to your left foot or, or left knee or mid mid shin bone and then you go over with your left hand to your right and again back and forth a few times and just stretch if you're leaning way out of the saddle to do it it's wrong your buttocks should basically remain in light touch to the saddle so you don't you're not sitting vertical but as you come forward with your torso you should be folding forward at both the hip joint and the waist not rocking to the front of your saddle onto your you know, the front of your pubic bone and then leaning over like you were going to fall off the horse. Well, that was excellent, Donna. Great answers. Um, what's your website address? Uh, just www.donnasnydersmith.com. Okay. Well, thank you for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. I'm very happy that you asked me to, uh, to talk to you. Well, there's a whole bunch of work that you can do now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> do you feel healthier now? Have you been doing it? I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm Famous sure last words. Famous, Famous last, last words, words about everything physical. I'm going to. Someday. Tomorrow, maybe. Maybe. Tomorrow. Tomorrow's, yeah. yes. tomorrow's a great day to start exercising. Well, some of those things are definitely... Um, going to be useful for some of us as we get older we get less flexible and we need to you know start paying more attention to these kind of things to our own biomechanics because how we ride affects our horses so much we have a couple of hosts that do yoga and uh, hot yoga and a whole bunch of different things and pilates and they all get a lot out of it they always say it's really good helena from the stable scoop show does it reese and uh -huh. uh, they all they Reese does it on dressage too, so you know I can see where it definitely would be of a help. Well, just as soon as I'm done shoveling snow, snow, today. yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can drive to the gym. 
<laughs> well, very good. Well, of course, uh, you are listening to Horses in the Morning. We are the Endurance episode. Karen is with us the second Tuesday of every month, which seems like years now. I think it has been years now. And yeah. it's always a very popular episode here on Horses in the Morning. Uh, and although you got beat out last month. Uh, oh, no. Yes, you did. <laughs> you got beat out with a record-setting episode that uh, one of our interns set up. And uh, it was with a jockey out of England. And he uh-huh. must have told everybody that is his, in his large <laughs> fan base because it was a huge show. Oh, good. So you weren't going to beat that one. Uh, but, okay. uh, but, you know, Endurance always does very well, and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we couldn't do this show without our terrific sponsors. And this is a product that you use every time you go out for a serious ride. I do. Renegade hoof boots. They're made in Arizona in the United States, and they've got them in several different sizes. They're really excellent at helping riders fit the boots to their horses. If you have a unique shaped hoof, you can send pictures and drawings in, and they'll help you um, figure out what you need to do to get a boot to to work. Um, There's videos on YouTube showing how to make adjustments for them. They offer a glue-on version, which can be used if you're doing, you know, a ride like Tevas or you're going on a trip for a week or for some reason you just don't want to use the strap-on boots, which I find incredibly easy to use. I use them. I mean, I've done Tevas in them. I've done other hundreds and multi-days, and a lot of people have. That's why the boots are so popular because they are so easy to use. They give you good traction. Uh, There's a couple different models. They have the regular traditional Renegade boot and they've also got the Viper model which um, fits a a slightly different shape of hoof. So if you'd like to learn more about Renegades, go to RenegadeHoofBoots.com RenegadeHoofBoots.com is where you can find all the great selections of colors too. Yes, they have a lot of colors, and even my ten-year-old junior has been has become proficient at putting them on and taking them off of Bo all by herself. Oh, really? Yes. Yeah, they are. They're easy to put on, though. I mean, they are. Yeah, yeah. they're easy to put on. Now, my my pony, uh, he chips his feet all the time. He's just, you know being so wet here. Uh, uh-huh. It happens so all the time. I'm like taking the chips off his feet so I can fit his boots on. It's like <laughs> I see. Right, right. Yeah, but that's only because it's so wet here in Florida. We have that problem. Uh-huh. Well, you know, we wouldn't do this show without our title sponsor, and that is the AERC. And we have our guest coming up. Susan Garlinghouse. Yes. And she's yes. ready. She's a veterinarian. Yes, Good morning. How are you, Susan? Good. I'm excellent. How about yourself? Good. How's the weather down there in Southern California? Oh, no, you're well, not Southern I'm... California anymore, are you? No, no. I'm Northern California. I live up in Tevis country now, and I am very happy to say that we've actually gotten some measurable rain the last couple of days. It's wonderful. Wow. Good. Yay for everybody. We were just out in California, and I just could not believe how dry. Everybody says how dry it is, but unless you see a place that hasn't had rain in five years, it is really dry. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. So everybody up here is just doing the the happy dance and running around outside and jumping up and down and just <laughs> making total fools out of ourselves. But we're really really enjoying it. It's not a lot yet, but we're we're enjoying what we can get. You know, Karen was whining about the mud earlier. You guys are happy to see mud, aren't you? It's like you're caking it on each other. It, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually had to. Uh, 
I, I had to drive back from Salt Lake City with a, uh, a family member's horse earlier this uh, this week when a first storm came through, and we actually got uh, delayed on the the eighty uh, in uh, in Nevada because of snow. And normally that would be kind of a, an upsetting thing, but you know it was kind of like wow, snow that means water, excellent. So <laughs> it it all worked out just fine. So are you below the snow level then normally? I am just just a little bit below, so I'm okay. just getting rain here. Uh, I, I think occasionally we might get a dusting of snow, but uh, that would be pretty unusual here. Oh, good. Yes, we're just starting to get snow this morning, too, finally. Good. So we're doing the happy dance on this side of the mountains. I'll bet. Okay, well, we're going to talk with you about a little bit about social media, some of the myths that get perpetuated online, and a little bit maybe about etiquette. Do you mean that Nigerian well, prince is not real? <laughs> Damn. Oh, I know. It's so disappointing. I what know. a tragedy. I got about 12 of those, by the way. I thought that thing died a long time ago. It's just <laughs> a new twist on it now, but it's still basically the same email that they've... You got a prince? I just, I just had a, a, a widow whose, whose <laughs> husband had, had, was, was personally willing me $150 million. That's so disappointing. I yeah, I know. I know. Well, I, I thought... What um, what would be kind of fun to talk about this morning? I'm I've been working on some some new seminars that I'm going to be uh, presenting at at some of the different uh, endurance uh, conferences around the country this season, and it's it's remarkable. It's it's kind of a an interesting profile of human nature, of where we tend to gather our information, and. It's it's kind of funny. Say that uh, if you were a human and you saw a funny-looking little suspicious maybe spot on your arm, there's a point at which you're going to look at it, and you're going to go, you know what, I probably ought to have that looked at. Now, you're probably going to go and find somebody that has some kind of medical training and maybe even somebody that uh, specializes in funny-looking little bumps on your arm, not owners of, of horses. Um, horse owners and actually pet owners in, in general, um, if, if you see something funny going on with your horse, the first call is generally not going to be to a vet. Uh, it's, it's generally going to be talking to somebody at the feed store, talking to a trainer. Nowadays, These it's posting it on Facebook and saying, what's this? Posting, <laughs> thank you. We, in, in the veterinary industry, we, we say that uh, they, they call in, they, uh, uh, they ask for a consult with Dr. Google. And, <laughs> and, it's, and I, I understand that. Um, I, I don't blame them. And, and sometimes you can get very good information online, but you have to be discerning about where that information comes from. Uh, whether it is somebody that um, just bought their first horse a year ago, but they read a book, and so now they have printed up a business card that says the word <laughs> therapist or practitioner on it, uh, but no actual formal education or experience in a, a particular area. And uh, it's it's really funny because there's a lot of myths and just these urban legends that have been propagated for years, sometimes decades, uh, sometimes a lot of decades, about um, some of the, these dire warnings about different types of feeds. Uh, now, this phenomenon happens in lots of different areas, but as you know, I'm a veterinarian, but I, I also did some graduate work in, uh, uh, in nutrition and also in equine exercise physiology, and that tends to be what I talk about the most. 
And a really good example of that are some of the uh, the warnings, quote unquote, that you will hear about feeding something like, say, flaxseed. Uh, the flaxseed is it's a very useful feed for horses. It has a high oil content. It has a particularly high uh, content of a particular type of oil or a fatty acid called omega threes that are very useful. They have a natural anti-inflammatory property to it. But if you ask a lot of people, how much flaxseed can you feed a horse? They will assure you that you are playing with fire if you feed a horse more than, say, a cup or two a day. Now, if you ask them why, they go, well, I don't know, but you can't do that. Um, occasionally, you'll run into somebody that they've uh, done a little bit more reading, and they will tell you one of two things, that you can't feed a lot of flaxseed uh, because it has uh, cyanide precursors in it. Now, cyanide is a uh, uh, molecular compound that in the body, it, it displaces oxygen on the hemoglobin, and it can cause some respiratory problems. Uh, in high enough dosages and in extremely high concentrations, it can actually cause death. That's how all so, of the uh, that's how all the English royalty killed each other in the movies uh, that's years it. ago. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's cyanide. a scary thing. You hear the word cyanide and you think that you're going to just drop dead right that very second. But what a lot of people don't understand is that cyanide is actually in our bodies all the time. It is a byproduct of certain metabolic pathways, and it's just, that's what happens. The body goes, okay, there it is. Let's get rid of it, and nobody even notices the difference. But it is a really scary thing, and in high, in con high enough concentrations, then it is certainly going to, to cause a problem. So when you hear that flaxseed contains these cyanide precursors, then people go, oh, yeah, I don't want to do that. I don't even want to feed that to my horse. That would be way dangerous. But I thought it would be really fun. I'd, I'd like to go back and try and find out well, where did all of this come from? And in this particular case, um, it turns out that all of this scariness about cyanogenic precursors based on a single case study that occurred now over a hundred years ago, and not even in horses. It occurred in feedlot cattle. And what had happened is there was a, uh, a shipment of cattle that were being sent to the feed yard, and at the time they were being sent by, by rail, and uh, weather delayed the, uh, the arrival of the, the train, and by the time they got to the feedlot, these cattle were really, really hungry. And when they were offloaded, they were fed, but accidentally, instead of just feeding them hay or something, they were fed a large amount of a cattle feed called linseed cake. Now, linseed and flaxseed are actually exactly the same plant. The difference is that flaxseed still has the original oil content in it, whereas linseed has had that oil removed. And what is left over is called linseed, and it's used as a... a, a kind of a poor quality protein supplement in, in livestock. So these cattle went and they were really hungry and they hoovered up an enormous amount of this linseed meal. And because cattle specifically, they're ruminants and they have a higher concentration of the enzyme needed to break down these cyanide precursors in the meal, they had a fairly high concentration of cyanide in their systems as a result. 
So some of the cattle, they were kind of breathing a little funny for a day or so, and then they recovered. One steer died. And because of that one steer that has died over 100 years ago, (laughs) now we have this ongoing myth about how scary it is that your horse is going to just start foaming at the mouth and drop over dead if you feed them more than a little bit of flaxseed. And it's just, it's fascinating to me. And the other thing that is uh, is interesting is that horses don't even uh, possess a lot of that particular enzyme to break down those precursors. So you can, in fact, feed horses quite a lot of, of flaxseed perfectly safely. Um, and there has never, ever been any kind of a respiratory problem, even in horses that are fed tremendous amounts. Um, I've, I've had clients that, for various reasons, uh, when I was working on their, their rations, these were very, very high, uh, successful horses, uh, very high performance at the international level that, for a variety of reasons, we chose to provide their fat content in the form of a pretty high amount of flaxseed. And certainly, they, it didn't affect their performance. They've done extremely well. But one of the other myths that you hear about flaxseed is that it also is a, uh, provides a phytoestrogen, which basically just means it's a plant-based estrogen, and that, that upsets the, the hormonal balances in both male and female uh, horses, and that can sometimes be a problem. Um, and, and it is true, flaxseed does provide some certain degree of a plant-based estrogen, um, but here's the example that I like to, to give to people is that uh, in the past, one of my, my clients was a, uh, a stud barn, a stud farm of uh, thoroughbred racehorse uh, sires that these were very high money stallions. These were very, very busy boys. And because now it's a lot more common to ship horses around by air, these uh, stallions were not only breeding a full book of mares and in the thoroughbred industry, it has to be live cover, no cheating or, you know, breaking up different portions among, uh, uh, no split charges with, uh, uh, with the thoroughbreds. Um, they, they have to have direct contact with the, the mare. And so these, uh, uh, these stallions were covering a full book of mare in the northern hemisphere. And then when the breeding season was over, they were put onto a plane and they were shipped to the hu- southern hemisphere and they started all over again. Wow. So these were some of the busiest boys on the planet and, and also probably some of the happiest horses in, in, on the planet. <laughs> and there was a lot of money involved in making sure that these boys could take care of business and they could get these mares settled. And they actually burned quite a few calories. You, you have to give these, uh, these horses a, a, a pretty high-quality diet to make sure that they, they can keep on keeping the mares settled and, uh, and earning their stud fees. And uh, we were feeding these, these horses a pretty tremendous amount of, of flaxseed. I mean, we're talking like pounds and pounds and pounds of it, far beyond that one or two cups that people are talking about. And I will tell you that if that estrogen had been affecting these stallions, we would have known about it. But if these stallions had been any more fertile, they would have been settling these mares by email. <laughs> it was just 
It was absolutely, we, we were watching them very, very closely, and there was absolutely no issues whatsoever. This so was, horses are certainly individuals. But. I'm glad to hear this because we do feed uh, our horses flaxseed, not tons of it, you mm-hmm. know, just uh, probably half a cup. Um, and we do it in the place of selenium because we live in Florida and sand colic's an issue and you got to do something. So we have done mm-hmm. the flax and it have never had a problem. So. Yeah, well, and you can certainly feed more than the, the half cup. I, I think probably a good guideline is just don't go from zero to 60 um, mm-hmm. at, uh, you know, in, in just a couple of days or right off the bat, because if you do add too much, uh, that uh, the flaxseed oil can make them a little bit loose and sloppy behind. Well, how do you um, recommend feeding it? Well, I, I usually tell people to start out with maybe about a half a cup once or twice a day. Um, and then you can increase that by about another half a cup once a week until you get to the point where, you know, the, whatever amount of feed is that, that you want to, to provide that, that horse. And you're starting to see the, the effects that you want. For most horses, for general health, then, you know, two cups a day is fine. Uh, if you wanted to, to add a little bit more, uh, for the, the extra omega-3s or, uh, it, it also is, uh, is very, very good. If you have horses that have fly allergies, what they call sweet itch, mm-hmm. um, or you want to improve uh, the, the skin quality, the hoof quality, it's, it's good. You get beautiful coats on horses. Um, and, and it also has a really good anti-inflammatory property. Um, a lot of the times in other species now, you're, you're seeing some of the prescription foods that are talking about that this is for joint health. And if you look at the ingredients, then they will be, they will have ingredients in there like uh, glucosamines or chondroitin sulfate. Not specifically because um, those ingredients are necessarily going to do so much for the joint. Uh, there, there's actually kind of a, an issue that uh, the bioavailability of some of those chondroitin sulfates is very, very low. Um, and a lot of those prescription foods uh, the, they add the chondroitin sulfate because it's a buzzword that people are uh-huh. looking for. But the actual active ingredient that helps these arthritic animals is the omega-3 fatty acids. And almost always, the, the source is going to be either a flaxseed meal or it's going to be some sort of a fish oil. And, and fish oil is great for horses as well. That's actually another myth that people will say, well, that's not natural for horses. Horses don't, in the wild, don't eat fish. But the body doesn't look at it that way. The the body kind of tends to just sort of see what the the basic building blocks are that are coming down the pike, and they don't go, well, no, those omega-3 fatty acids, those came from fish. I have to ignore that. No, 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 I only want these omega-3 fatty acids that came from plants. It doesn't work that way. Um, horses actually, uh, most species actually absorb and utilize fish oils, which is even a more bioavailable uh, bio mm-hmm. and active form of the omega-3 fatty acids than the plant-based are. Um, they utilize those extremely well. Um, a lot of the time, the trick is is just convincing the horse to to eat them in their mash, and, and there's all kinds of tricks that you can go go through with that. Uh, I know that you and I have we've talked about in the past about you know how we can try and, and get those into to horses. Mm-hmm. 
And but it it is it's very worthwhile. There's some excellent research coming out from uh, Kentucky Equine Research that they they have some really nifty data on on what fish oils do for performance horses. But it's uh, I think the the point is that you really have to be discerning about where you get your information about different commodities and different nutrients with with horses. Um, you you need to not just necessarily go onto social media right. and say, okay, my horse is doing this, and and listen to the first person that says, oh, absolutely, I'm a holistic practitioner because they read a book on that. Therefore, they now they have a business card, and and they say you need to remove this from your diet. You need to stop doing that. You need to do this over here. You need to to do all of these different things. Um, you know, you have to, to kind of use a little bit of judgment and uh, maybe take all of it with a grain of salt, uh, no pun intended, um, <laughs> unless you're getting your information from somebody that does have formal training in that particular area. Um, information that comes from universities is usually pretty credible uh, or, or someplace else, somebody that actually has a, a legitimate background in the area. Don't just automatically put it onto Facebook and ask for the, the advice of Dr. Google. It, it takes a little bit more than that. There's, um, it really is remarkable the, the, the amounts of, of myths and legends about the, uh, out there about, uh, about feeds that get propagated on, on social media. Right. And um, one more question on the flaxseed. Do you recommend it mm-hmm. be ground or can you feed it whole? I know that's one of the myths. If you don't grind it, that it doesn't do any good. Well, that's um, like most myths. There is a little bit a, a nugget of truth in each mm-hmm. of that. Uh, Flaxseed, uh, when it is the whole seed and it hasn't been ground, it actually has an excellent shelf life because that uh, seed coating is really tough and durable. If you feed it to horses whole, then they will derive some good out of it, but it's probably only about half as much. Um, they you know, they can kind of grind it up a little bit, uh, but a lot of that flaxseed is going to pass through the system and end up out in the pasture, and you're going to have the fattest, shiniest birds in the neighborhood that you've ever seen. <laughs> but um, So it, it is. Um, you are going to get a lot more bang for your buck if you somehow grind up the, uh, the flaxseed. And there are now some sources of uh, stabilized flaxseed where... They don't really grind it. They they actually have machinery that slices the the flaxseed, and uh, they they say that they it, it has a really good shelf life. Um, personally, I I would prefer to still use flaxseed in a fairly prompt manner. What I personally do, and this is absolutely another nothing other than. Uh, if I want to watch a movie on TV and I want to be able to justify sitting on the couch in the living room for two hours not doing something else, I will <laughs> grind up flaxseed while I'm doing it. And I can go through a 30-pound bag in a couple, you know, an hour or two. And what I do is I take one of the little brawn coffee. There's a Saturday uh, night for you. That, everybody dreams <laughs> of that it. one, Susan. Oh, yeah. yeah. I want to party with you, yeah, Cowboy. Yeah, We're going to come over and if watch If I'm going to grind flaxseed for two hours, you better have two bottles of wine because that's about the only <laughs> oh, way that's Absolutely. Happened. 
hey, come on over, and there'll even be a pizza involved. Because <laughs> uh, we are lucky here because we have so many tax shops in Ocala and so many mm-hmm. feed stores that they sell it by in four-pound bags of ground flaxseed. So that's how we get Oh, it. that's great. Yeah, so, I mean, not everybody well, has Well, even that, then. But. You, you want to, uh, to check and find out how long ago. It, it, if it's really fresh, that's great. And what I tend to do is I will grind it up in the, uh, the little uh, the coffee grinder. And uh, another mistake that people uh, tend to do is they overgrind it. You don't have to heat it up. You actually don't want to grind it so long that it starts to heat up. All you need is to just fill up that little cup and just push the little button and go zit, zit, zit. That's it. That's all you need. And then what I do is that I dump it out into Ziploc baggies, and I pile it up in the freezer. And it stays for a very long time. And then I have a couple of cups, and I take it outside, and, you know, I mix it that day. And doing it that way is a a really good – you get good shelf life. It takes a lot less. You're getting all of the the goodness. Um, But flaxseed and the omega-3 fatty acids are – uh, they start to degrade pretty quickly when they are exposed to heat, light, and air. So you don't want to just grind up a bucket of it and then put it out into you know a tack uh, tack room that's 120 degrees during the uh, during the summer, um, and then you know six months later go oh yeah I ought to feed that well <laughs> no you've you've kind of you've you've lost it. And one of the other uh, the traditions is that they used, people used to tell you that you want to boil your flaxseed meal to drive off all of those toxins. But if you do that, then you're actually negating all of those positive benefits of the omega-3 fatty acids. You do still have some oil content in there, and that's good for calories, mm-hmm. but you've lost all of those really nice anti-inflammatory properties that Otherwise, you get if you feed it fresh. So that's how I tend to recommend that that people do it. If they absolutely positively cannot uh, grind it up, then I used to tell people, go ahead and just feed it whole. Just keep in mind, you're probably going to have to feed more of it. These days, if they don't want to grind it up themselves, then I tell them, go ahead and buy one of the stabilized um, uh, flaxseed meals and, and feed it that way. Well, this has been really interesting. Thank you for joining us this morning, Susan. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I have a great time. And of course, you can find, where can you find the AERC? Uh, AERC is, you can go onto the website, www.aerc.org. We have all kinds of information on there. We have a lot of information and a brand new link that for uh, people that are new to the sport, we have all kinds of resources for you. We have a wonderful information packet now that the office would be thrilled to send out to to people that has all kinds of of great tips and and information that you want to know. We have links to some videos on on YouTube that were uh, produced uh, specifically for people new to the sport that are trying to figure out things like, uh, how do I camp with my horse, and how does a vet check work, and what do I put into a crew bag, and, and things like that. We've got all kinds of information for you. And we're also, uh, we present a lot of what we call the Endurance 101 Clinics. Uh, we have a lot of those going on. Uh, I'll be teaching some of those, but almost every single region has multiple clinics and seminars going on. Uh, and, and those are a really great way to, to, uh, to get into the sport. And, of course, you can also just come out to a ride, volunteer, ask mm-hmm. questions. Uh, we'll put you to work. 
uh, and and you will get just a wealth of information about just kind of how things are done and and uh, what the sport is all about, and come out and meet some really great people. Terrific! Thank you. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Thanks, Glenn. All right. I hope you guys care. have a great okay. morning. It's you a- too. A-E-R-C Online.org. I, I guess A-E-R-C, A-E-R-C yes. dot org goes there, too. But yes. Either way. Yes. And that's where you can find all of the great information. I imagine that uh, with, you know, with... With endurance, like other disciplines, people are a little intimidated to get started and probably put it off. Right. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but that's why you have the mentor program and everything you guys have over there, too. Exactly. It's to help and, people. Because it is kind of intimidating when you think about the great, you know, yes, everybody starts out with s- smaller rides, but they all think 100. So, you know, it, that's intimidating. Yes. By the time my junior had finished her first 50, she decided she already wants to ride Tevis. <laughs> there you go. See, next year she'll be there at Tevis. <laughs> like, uh, like, no, she's only 10. I, I, I think know, she has kidding. to be, I think they have think an age 14, requirement. I think, I think. yes. Yeah. So, so yes. Well, that's okay. That'll give her some time to get ready. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to break her heart. <laughs> I know. Oh, gosh. No, it's so great to see the new ones come into the sport, though, that just immediately you can tell that the endurance is for them because they just fit in so well because they love to ride and get to see country and, and get that relationship, that bond with the horse. It's just kind of a fun thing to see that kind of uh, relationship develop and, and the new people that are coming in that are um, really getting into the sport. It's um, really cool. Very good. Well, thank you, Karen, for joining us again. I want to remind everybody you can see Karen or hear Karen again during our Holiday Radiothon in three weeks on November 30th, Cyber Monday. Uh, it's an unusual day for her, but she's going to be joining over 20 of the hosts here on the Horse Radio Network. And you are going to be on from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time with us that day. We'll okay. be posting a lot of information. Karen will post information on her Facebook page. We'll try and get it on the AERC's page as well. And then uh, we'll see everybody that day. Don't forget to send in your submissions. I noticed that our auditors, which are people who actually kind of donate a little money every month uh, toward uh, the Horse Radio Network to keep the operations going, they are all scheming about what they're going to do for their voicemails. So um, I noticed one of them is trying to find all the host names and uh, somebody else is going, I got to figure out what to do here because I like so many of the shows. So they're all scheming now. So if you're feeling creative, you definitely want to send us a voicemail or a sound file ahead of time. I just heard from Templeton Thompson, who, uh, of course, is one of the most popular musicians in all the horse world, and she's going to be joining us for a little bit that day, and she's also putting a sound file together, so I don't know what that is. Uh, But we have a lot of things planned. It sounds like it's going to be a really fun day. Yes, it will, and we want we want endurance people involved. So, and will this be the longest that you've broadcast? Yes, this is definitely for that many yeah, hours. Yeah, we've never done. We've probably done three or four hours, but I we've never done twelve hours. Uh, okay, I won't be able You're, to talk for a week. You'll need like a commercial <laughs> yes. sized coffee maker. Yes, exactly. And uh, it is the Monday after Thanksgiving, so we'll have rested a little bit. Okay, uh, you know, but it, you know, Jennifer thinks we're crazy. We did find help for Jennifer because she kept saying there's twenty hosts and one producer. <laughs> who has to handle all the calls for 12 yeah. hours. Yeah. So, uh, hey, we, hey, Glenn, did you think about this? 
What? On Tuesday morning, guess what you have to do? I know. We have to come do another show. <laughs> the next day. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think what day that is. It's the first, so it'll be... That's not mine. Good. <laughs> it'll be the jumping show. Yeah. I can get out of that, yeah. though, because uh, Jamie does the jumping show. But poor Jennifer can't. <laughs> so I, like, I, I might have to produce that day to give Jennifer time off because she'll be pissed by that point. <laughs> so <laughs> I want to stay married. We'll see if we do a second one after this one. That's a long time to talk. Thank God Dr. Wendy's coming up to sit in, too. Yeah, that'll be good. Uh, that'll help. And it's not like I'm doing the whole thing by myself. We have all the other hosts coming on. So yeah, I hopefully can sit back and relax. Yeah. <laughs> you think well, well yeah. Jennifer I, I'll let you know later how my how your um, your tip on cleaning our horses in winter yeah pans out send, today send before and after pics okay before and after yes well right now I think Bill will be rolling in the snow it's still snowing quite heavily right that's now that's a good thing and um, that's a good thing. it's good until it melts <laughs> right exactly well snow equals so mud yeah. <laughs> but not so much but I will be, be putting those towels with some warm water and baby oil to good use and and get those horses yeah. clean yes and I'll let you know how it goes and I will get some before and after pictures I've I've got some of the before ones of of as you saw of Bo completely covered in the mud yeah, that was a good picture. Yeah, they're <laughs> so proud of themselves. Too, going, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> well, and it's even worse now because they've got their winter coats have grown in and the really long and fluffy, well, sort of fluffy till they get matted with mud. So that'll be some some good elbow grease work that I'll be doing. <laughs> so that that'll be my form of uh, rider biomechanics getting into shape will be shoveling snow and cleaning up dirty horses. <laughs> oh, and then tonight you can play a movie and grind some flax. Yes. yes. <laughs> That's a perfect day. <laughs> well, I remember one time grinding some flax and, and Susan, if she's listening, she probably remembers this and I didn't have the lid on all the way oh, no. and it, it went all through my kitchen and I don't think I ever got all of the flaxseed out of all of the crevices in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yes, if you're going to grind the flaxseed, make sure that the lid is on all the way. <laughs> yeah, we we complain because we have to drive to the store when we run out and buy a bag of it. You know, so and it's pretty cheap down here too. So that's nice. That is nice. <laughs> yeah. We got it lucky that way. Well, thank you, everybody. If you want to hear all the past episodes of The Endurance Show, you can actually go listen to all of them. Just go to horsesinthemorning.com and search for Endurance, and it'll bring up all the past episodes. Or search for Karen Chatton. You can find Karen's terrific blog at... KarenChatton.com. KarenChatton.com, and her name is easy to spell, no problem. We want to thank the American Endurance Ride Conference. We also want to thank all of our sponsors here on the Endurance Show, including Renegade Hoof Boots for being part of the show every single month. And we'll see you in a couple of weeks, Karen. Great. I'm looking forward to it. All right. Take care, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Jamie will be back.